Well, we are in a series called Stay Focused. And uh, what we talked about in the first three weeks was um, our mission statement as a church, uh, to reach, restore, and respond. We reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father. We restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and we respond to a move of the Spirit. And the reason we talk about that is not only to give uh, you kind of an indication of what we're all about at Living Spring, uh, but also it's really the mission statement of our lives, right? We, we introduce people to a loving God and we uh, want their lives to be restored and to be healthy and um, to come to know Jesus in a really meaningful way and then to respond, to serve and do those things. And so uh, that's what we talked about the first three weeks. And then this, um, these next three weeks, and we're going to finish the series today. And then next week, we're going to start a series on the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to talk about rebuilding the walls of our life, rebuilding our life. And it's a great series to talk about kind of post-COVID and post, you know, the craziest last couple years, three years, to like, how do we get back on, on track again? So we'll be talking about that as well. So we, the, the, these three weeks are about distractions of our focus, right? So we talked about the distraction of fantasy, when we just imagine our life being better than it should be, or we imagine being in that house or that car or what have you. And then uh, we talked about the distraction of regret and how uh, mistakes that we've made in our past can oftentimes cripple us from moving forward. And so we talked about that last week. This morning, I want to talk to you about a distraction that is so common uh, it, it, uh, it, it's almost impossible to get out of. And that is the distraction of comparison. Never in human history, ever, have we had access to information on what everyone else in the world is doing with their lives. Okay? Like when, when if you think about just like 50 years ago, like we'll go back 100 years, you had your town. Like, you, you knew what was going on in your community. You could be uh, wealthier or poorer than the used car salesman or whoever is in your town. You could be uh, wider or thinner than whoever went to your school or was in your company or whatever. But now, we have access to everybody. And it is in our human nature to compare we are hardwired to try to figure out where we measure up with everyone else. And maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm just talking and uh, uh, you know, revealing my own insecurities or whatever. But what I've found in my ministry is that oftentimes what happens with people is their um, unmet expectations, their issues that they're having often relate to how well or how bad someone else is doing. That there's a standard that we kind of all feel like we should measure up to, and that standard is arbitrary. Like, how strong should you be? How wealthy should you be? How smart should you be? How good should you be at your job? These are all arbitrary things. And yet, if you go on social media, it's amazing 
what all these individuals can do with their lives. And oftentimes you look back and you go, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I was, I wish I had that marriage. I wish I had that uh, skill to be able to do that. I, I watch a lot of woodworking videos. I just, cause I love woodworking. And I look and oftentimes I just, I wanna turn off the, the, the computer and just go, you're a terrible person at woodworking, <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Have you ever done that? And then here's what we do, which makes it so much more um, destructive, is we pick one skill that that person does, and then we pick another skill or another body type or another thing from someone else, and then we pick somebody's wealth from someone else. We just kind of pick and choose what's going to make us feel like we don't measure up. But measure up to what? what what's the standard? How do, we, how do we know if we're doing well or not? And it is crippling, and it's also very, very distracting from what we actually can accomplish. We'll be talking about this when we talk about uh, the book of Nehemiah, about uh, a circle of influence, like what we can actually change, and then our circle of concern. I've preached on that um, uh, a couple times in the past. Of like, so we, we're looking at this person in this area and this area and this area. Man, they've been clean and sober for two years. I, I haven't. They've been, you know, they, they, they have this, they got married. We, we were single and we had this all together and it was great. And then now they're married and I'm not married. And oh man, and it's, we just keep going on and on and on. You know, and then what we'll do is like, like uh, we'll look at someone else's kids, right? Now I'm just talking to parents right now, but... Maybe I'm just talking to myself, but oftentimes as parents, you look at other people's kids and then you kind of measure up like, oh my gosh, my kid's so much better than that. And then you feel good about yourself or you're like, why did we have kids? Why did we even like, like what, like this kid? And then what we'll do is, is like, maybe they'll have three kids and you're only judging your kids against one of them. Because the other two are worthless. So you have the one kid who gets a 4.0, right? And then you just pick that one thing. Oh, I wish my kid got a 4.0. But that kid is arrogant and a pain. Like, so you, but you dismiss that. And we just, we just, it just seems like we just take these things upon ourselves. But to what standard do we do this? Whose standard? So what I want to do this morning is we're going to go back to um, an Old Testament book. Uh, King Solomon was, the Bible says, he was the wisest man that ever lived. And, uh, and he, he wrote, well, we've compiled three different um, uh, groups of texts from uh, King Solomon. One is Proverbs. So if you're under the age of 40, Proverbs is, you should read it every day because it just kind of gives you so much wisdom on how you should live your life. If you're over 40, read Ecclesiastes. Because <laughs> that's just like, ah, what are you going to do? I mean, it's kind of, there's nothing new under the sun. Okay, right? Okay. And then if uh, you're married, you can read Song of Solomon. But not if you're single. You can't read the Song of Solomon. Okay. Those are the three texts that uh, Solomon had. So that, that's just a joke. But uh, we're going to go into Ecclesiastes over, over 40. If you're under 40, it's still good. It's still good. But what, what basically Solomon does in, in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is he's making these observations of what he's seen in life, of what, what he observes. 
and uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes these things down. And then we get thousands of years later, we go, I mean, you read Proverbs, you're just going, yeah, yeah, I knew, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's just, it's really awesome. It, like it was before Twitter, and, uh, but it's just basically so Solomon's just tweeting, right? And it's, a, it's really cool. So anyway, we're in Ecclesiastes. And uh, uh, Solomon's making these observations. And here's an observation he makes in Ecclesiastes 4, uh, 4. And I saw, listen to this, this is so true. I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This is thousands of years old, and it is not only still true today, I don't know if anything can become more true, but this is social media before social media came out. That we just look at what somebody else has, we compare with their body, we compare with their intellect, we compare with their relationships, we compare with their family, with their family of origin, we compare of where they live, and we wish we lived in that state or that city or whatever, we just compare. All toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another because another person sets this arbitrary standard that we want to achieve, that we want to do. In other words, if I said to you, um, are you wealthy? In all of human history, I promise you, you are the wealthiest person ever. Like, like if you go back, in time, like you have a phone. Are you kidding me? You can talk to somebody. I talked to my daughter in Korea. And it's, there's a video of her face on my phone. And I complain, that's ah, a little glitchy. <laughs> I, need, I need faster internet, right? Like you're so wealthy. You're so healthy. If, if you take into human history, right? I mean, we just have so much knowledge. I was talking to uh, Troy uh, out on the patio, and it's like, if I want to tile my bathroom, I just go on YouTube. I have all the information right there, right? Now, I know I sound like an old man, you know, yelling at the clouds, like, back in my day, but I, I'm not. We just have it so good, but then there's this other arbitrary standard that it needs to be better, that it needs to be better, that it needs to be better. All toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. Here's, what he, here's the conclusion he comes to. This too is meaningless. That's why I said you read this one after you're 40. Like, oh yeah, what are you going to do, right? This too is meaningless. And then he makes this statement. A chasing after wind. You'll never, ever achieve it. Ever. Whatever you do, and I don't mean to depress you this morning because we're going to get to some really encouraging stuff. I don't mean to, to depress you. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care what you do. There is somebody better than you. In any, you pick it. You pick it. You're a Bible scholar. There's somebody better than you. You're a dancer. There's somebody better. You're a musician. Better. I find, I'll find someone better than you. In, you pick it. I'll find someone better than you in five seconds. 
It's chasing after wind. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to memorize this, that you're going to, when you go on social media this afternoon, uh, hopefully this will help you. It's a really dumb little rhyme I made up, <laughs> okay? So I'm, I'm just warning you, it's, it's lame, but it's really effective. When you compare, you chase the air. I'm sorry. I went to school for this, okay? That's all I could come up with. It's like a children's book, right? It's like, wow, the pastor is really base. Yes, I am. When you compare, you chase the air. But have you ever been in a parking lot or somewhere and there's a little piece of paper and you go to pick up that paper and it blows away? Yes, yes exactly. This is like a human, I don't know if it's God, just like, like just, like this is, he loves watching me do this. But when I see a piece of paper, I know for a fact, when I go to pick that up, it's going to blow away. And so I go down and then I'll try to sneak up on it. Like it's an, not an inanimate object. I'll be like, ah, oh, got you, got you. And I'm all proud of myself. Like it just keeps blowing. This is exactly what Solomon's saying. When you compare, you chase the air. You're just, you're just, it, it, there's always something else. There's always something else. Because what is the standard? It's arbitrary. We don't even know. For some of us, for some of us, we're living under the standard our dad set for us when we were five years old. And we have never gotten out from underneath that standard. And you were never good enough because you're dad. Some of us, you're living under a standard for your body type because somebody on a playground somewhere said something to you and you adopted that standard and every time you look in the mirror, you say, I don't measure up. Arbitrary, just from, from one thing. How smart you are, your GPA. For some of us, I'll just speak for a lot of men I know, uh, athletics was like a very high valued thing, at least for in my generation, right? How athletic you were, you were popular, you were this or that. And because you weren't that athletic and somebody one day called you clumsy or you can't catch, now your whole world has been shaped. That is not your heavenly father. And we're gonna see this in just a little bit and it's gonna be so encouraging. When you compare, you chase the air because there's no way to have a standard that fits everybody, and there's no way to have a standard that is godly if it's created by us as humans. Now, you say, okay, cool. John's going to let me off the, or Solomon is going to let me off the hook. I don't have to do anything. There's no standard. I don't do anything. Well, the problem is Solomon kept writing or tweeting, whatever we want to say. So he says, one, when you compare, you chase the air. When it's, like, it's like it's meaningless. It's, it, it's like chasing after the wind. But then he writes, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. In other words, like you can't just give up, right? So there's this tension. I can't compare myself with somebody because there's an arbitrary thing that, I'm, that my parents or my friends or whoever it is. But then I, if I just sit back and just let the wave of culture just take me, it's going to take me someplace I don't want to go. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Like you're, you're foolish if you don't try, right? And, and so you have this 
tension. And so you think, well, is there a third way? Is there a third way if I, if I'm, if I don't compare, but then I'm also not lazy, like what's the third way? Well, he keeps writing and he says this, better one hand full, one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. So Solomon, he really is the wisest person ever. He just paints this beautiful picture of, look, this is what I have. This is what I have to offer. This is what I've been dealt. This is the body I've been dealt. This is the mind I've been dealt. This is the a family of origin I've been dealt. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to do what I can with that. The Bible, Jesus calls it later. He says, um, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. We've talked about this uh, through the scriptures, right? Then two hands with toil. You've got you've to measure up. You've got to get it going. You've got to have exactly what you think or what someone has told you you need to do. Better, uh, better one handful with tranquility of going, I'm going to rest with my heavenly father than two hands full of toil. Anyone who's had a career where you've gone through your career for quite a bit of time and then you realize your kids have grown up and you have a little bit of regret, we talked about that last week, knows exactly what I'm talking about of just like, I've got to get everything out of this. He says, then two handfuls of toil uh, and chasing after wind. Then he goes on, he says this, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. <laughs> again, like, right? again, I told you, Ecclesiastes is kind of like, whatever. I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone, he had no, neither son nor brother. So if, if, if you go back, uh, if, if you contextualize the scripture, uh, Old Testament scripture, uh, if you had a brother or a son, this all has to do with um, uh, a, being an heir of, of who you're responsible for. If, you're a, if you have a son, then you're working to help that generation. Most likely you have a, a plot of land or whatever. And so you're, you're, you're creating this inheritance. If you had a brother, that would uh, mean who's going to get the inheritance from your father, right? So here's this guy. He's, he doesn't have to create anything because it's going to be, he's going to get the inheritance and he doesn't have to leave anything. Right? He had no, neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. He just kept working. There was ne it was never enough. It was never enough. He was never good enough, Solomon writes. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. One hand full with tranquility. What, what do you have right now? Who are you right now? We're going to get, when we get to the New Testament, it's going to rock your world. Uh, he was not content with his wealth. And then he asked himself some really great questions. For whom am I toiling? Isn't that a great question? Like when you go on social media or you're with somebody and you, you see them and you compare. Remember what happens when you compare? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> you chase the air, right? So, so you, you're, you're comparing and you go, oh, okay, I, I, I want to get to that. I want to get to that. The question is, why am I doing this? For who, whom am I toiling? Does my heavenly father want me to do this? Now, again, remember he said, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. So he, 
your heavenly father might say, yes, I'd like you to grow in these different areas. But who am I toiling? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Have you ever done that? That you, you're, you're so set on a, a certain place that you don't enjoy the journey. You don't enjoy what you have. You're not present. You're always thinking of something different. This is totally my personality, just so I'm honest. Like my personality is the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And then I, I struggle with enjoying what I have. So I, this, this verse really strikes, strikes me. And why am I depriving myself enjoyment? This too is meaningless. And then uh, uh, Solomon writes this, which I just like that it's in the Bible. A miserable business. That's just cool to me. I don't know. I don't know why. So, so what do we do, right? So what, how do we go from this idea of comparison? When you compare, you chase the air. And when you compare, you have some arbitrary standard that you didn't come up with. It, it's just, it just got placed upon you, either by yourself or your family or those around you. Right? So what, what do you do? How do you view your life in a way where you can say, you know what? I'm not into comparison. And this is so beautiful. It's in the book of Galatians, which the Apostle Paul wrote. And uh, he was writing to this church in Galatia. And what was happening in this church was, um, you know, for those of you who are new to Christianity or new to the Bible, we believe that, that um, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the Old Testament. There used to be sacrifices in the Old Testament for, for your sin. You would go and you'd, you'd, you'd bring an animal and depending on what sin it was, you'd have an animal. And depending on your uh, status in society, if you were poor, you could, you could sacrifice a smaller animal. Anyway, so the, uh, Jesus, we, we believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for all this. But this church in Galatia was like, nah, we, it kind of feels good to be under the law. It kind of, like, because it feels like you're working, like you're, you're doing your job, right? Like grace, Jesus dying on the cross, and then, you know, it's kind of like that same thing with Solomon. Like, like, am I just letting myself off the hook? And so Paul writes to this church in Galatia and says, stop doing that. Jesus paid the price. And so here's where we are. We're in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, and it says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. So this is this is setting up exactly what I was saying. Jesus came, born of a woman, born under the law. So if you go into the Old Testament and you look at all those laws, Jesus had to be under that law, right? That we might receive adoption. Now, when you think of adoption in America, we think of adopting a little baby, right? In antiquity, they didn't adopt babies, because they didn't know if the baby was going to survive. They waited. They waited and waited and waited. And oftentimes, they would adopt somebody as an adult. Wouldn't that be awesome? You, have your three, you raise your three kids, and you're like, nah, I, I don't like the way they turned out. I like that guy. He's my new son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adopt him some, 40-year-old dashing, you know, whatever, like, like, yeah, that's my son. I want you to meet my son, you know, George Clooney. There he is, right? Right? Okay. So, so this, is, this, is what would this is what would happen. They, you would adopt adults. Now, think about this. Think about 
Remember when I asked whose standard? What, what's the arbitrary standard? Like, who do I compare to? Your heavenly father has set a standard. And he says, you know what? You made it. You win. You're my, you're my kid. Now, one of the ways that I like to think about standards and arbitrary standards is in the world of art. Okay? So I have a picture of my little daughter. This is the daughter in Korea. Uh, she drew this. Uh, that's a tree. That's a tree. That tree sucks. <laughs> right? That doesn't look like a tree. It looks like a tent. That's a terrible tree. That, uh, honestly, come on. That's a horrible tree. That doesn't look like a tree. Right? Except... I'm her dad. And that's the most beautiful tree I've ever seen. And look at how much time she spent on that. And if you say that tree sucks, you come up here and see what happens. Because <laughs> that's my daughter. Right? If that weren't a chalkboard, I was trying to find this one picture that my other daughter drew of the family where my neck is like this long. <laughs> I was going to try and show that. I couldn't find it. Right? Because it's terrible. The 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 aspects are all wrong. Lisa's like 17 feet tall. Like it doesn't make any sense at all, right? It's terrible, eh? except that's my daughter. See, she didn't compare that to what happens with little kids. Do you know when they stop drawing? Look at that face. Come on now. She's having a blast. Do you know when she stopped drawing? When she was put up to a standard that she learned, oh, that's what a tree is supposed to look like. I'm not good at that. I'm going to stop drawing trees. You know how sad that is? Do you know how your heavenly father looks at you? He says, oh, that's my son. That's my daughter. I like what they're doing. Well, 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 how do they compare to that? Hey, don't you talk. You don't talk. If you showed up with your bratty kid and you like her, she drew a better tree than my daughter, I would, I'd hate your kid's tree. I don't like your kid's tree, right? Because that's my daughter. I put that on the fridge if I could, right? Here's my other daughter. She actually can draw, but this is her. She's so, that's, that's actually a pretty good palm tree for that age, I have to say. But um, this, I don't know if this is the ocean or whatever, but it, whatever it is. But that goes on my fridge because that's my daughter. That is the standard we need to live our lives with. Not comparison. When you compare, you chase the air. When you lean into your heavenly father, because your heavenly father might say, hey, you know what? Uh, next time you draw a tree, you know, use green instead of pink or whatever. You know, right? He's going to nudge. He's going to direct. But he doesn't compare you to anybody else. What he, who he compares you to is Jesus. And he says, hey, why don't you become more like Jesus? Let's work on that. So he goes on, and I, I changed the Bible. I apologize. Because you are his kids, so the Bible doesn't say kids, but I, I changed it. But when you have a degree as, as amazing as mine is, you're allowed to change the Bible. <laughs> I'm kidding. Because you are his kids, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Dad, Dad, look at my tree. Look at my tree. That is your standard. That is your standard, and it's not arbitrary. Your heavenly Father loves you unconditionally. 
Is he going to nudge you? Of course he is. Fools fold their hands and leads to ruin, right? Of course, of course he's going to nudge you. What, what father doesn't want to see their kids do better, right? But is your value based on something arbitrary? No. The spirit calls out, daddy, daddy, look at this. Look at this. Then he, he goes on and he uses slave language. And again, you know, in our culture, when we think of slaves, we think of wh- whatever. You know, we think of our, the history of America or we think of, um, you know, trafficking and all, all this kind of stuff. This was a little different in this case. But the idea is the same. If you were a slave in the house, if you were a servant in the house, you, you might be loved by the family or whatever. But you're not getting an inheritance. You're not an heir. You're not... You're not the, the, the mom or the dad in the house. They don't call you son or daughter. And so he uses this language. You are no longer a slave. Listen to this. Listen to this. But God's child. God's child. You, when he sees you, he does not see what you should become, what you haven't become, what your mistakes were. He sees his kid. And he says, hey, take my hand. We're going to walk through this thing called life. And this is not an arbitrary thing where I change my mind and decide who's better and who's worse. He loves you. But God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. In other words, remember we go back to Ecclesiastes and he was talking about this guy who had neither son nor brother and he just toils and toils and toils and toils and he finally asks himself, what am I doing? What, wh- why can't I just enjoy life? Like why, why do I have to keep going after this? And that's my prayer for you this week. That as you're on social media, as you're at work, as you see this person accomplishing this or that person accomplishing this, or even worse, you think, oh, I'm, I'm better than them. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't struggle with that. I don't struggle with that. I'm, I'm better. Your heavenly father, because you're his kid, goes, hey, we don't talk like that in our household, <laughs> right? We don't, we don't judge other people, right? Either way, when we compare, we're chasing the air. Because, yeah, you'll find someone worse than you in everything that you do. It's it's very easy to find. And you'll find someone better. But your Heavenly Father says this. What you're an heir to is the kingdom of God. That is the ability to, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter how rich you are, how good-looking you are, and let me tell you, you guys are very good-looking. But no matter how good-looking you are, how wealthy, how smart, or whatever, you can take the kingdom of God and insert it into your life. You can say, you know what? I struggle with this, this sin, this issue, whatever. God says, you're my kid, and we're going to work on that. We're going to keep moving towards that. You say, I'm really proud of myself. I've, I've accomplished this thing. And the Lord says, I'm so proud of you too. We're going we're gonna to take that just to another notch. We're just going to work through it. You invite the voice of God into your life. You are his kid. And he loves you. As the worship band comes back up,
we're going to take a little bit of time. Uh, we've got pillows here at the altar, and if you're watching online, maybe you want to sit at your couch and maybe kneel at your couch and just take this time to go before your Heavenly Father. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, for some of you, this might be a difficult thing. This might be a difficult thing. But when you pray to him, I want you to address him as daddy. Now, maybe for men, you're like, I don't call anyone daddy. I didn't even call my dad dad. I call him, you know, whatever. Fine. Then you lose. Okay. Call him daddy. And maybe your prayer, exactly, dad. So right on key. You get $5 when the sermon's over. And maybe you say, yeah, you get nothing. Okay. Maybe you go before him, and maybe your prayer sounds something like this. Daddy, thank you for loving me. Help me to see you as God and yet my dad. Maybe you have something in your life which you're trying to work on. You say, Daddy, can you help me with this? I, 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 I'm having a hard time getting over this one thing. Can you help me? Maybe you say, Daddy, can you show me? Can you show me how to do this? You say, Daddy, let me tell you about my day. Daddy, tomorrow I got to go to work, and you know how I hate my boss. <laughs> can you help me? Can you help me get through this? And just see what he has to say. So if you have a special need or special prayer or maybe just something you want to celebrate, we have people praying at the cross that will pray for you specifically. Uh, maybe you just want to come and kneel and say, Daddy, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. Can you help me? Lord God, Daddy, nudging us, for not letting us just be stagnant. And thank you, thank you, thank you for not comparing us to any other kids. You love us just as we are. We thank you for that. Amen. 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 Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing. It's good to see you guys here. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his joy and his strength and his grace and in his peace as his kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.